This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. The Visionary of the Counter-Revolution, Plinio Correa de Oliveira. October 3rd, 2020, marks the 25th anniversary of the death of Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira, the founder of the Brazilian Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP, and the inspirer of the TFP movement worldwide. He was a man of unyielding faith, wholly consumed with a burning love for our Lord Jesus Christ, the Blessed Mother, and the Holy Roman Catholic Church. During the 60 years of his public life, Plinio Correa de Oliveira stood in the breach, countering every threat and assault against the remains of Catholic order. This life of heroic struggle led his posthumous biographer, Professor Roberto de Mattei, to call him, quote-unquote, crusader of the 20th century. The Return to Order moment is pleased to present this biographical sketch of the Catholic leader and thinker who was truly a model of fidelity and intransigence amid our troubled times. It was compiled by Robert Nunez and originally published in the September-October 2020 issue of Crusade magazine. Plinio Correa de Oliveira was born on December 13, 1908, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. His father, João Paulo Correa de Oliveira, was a lawyer from the northeastern part of the country, and his mother, Lucilia Ribeiro de Santos, was a descendant of one of the original founding families of Sao Paulo. Both were born and raised in the twilight of the Brazilian monarchy. Their first child was a daughter, Rosé. A few years later, shortly before the birth of her son, the doctor informed Dona Lucilia that the delivery could be very risky and asked if she would prefer to have an abortion to save her own life. Doctor, she responded firmly, this is not a question a mother should be asked. It shouldn't even have crossed your mind. An incomparable educator and devoted Christian mother, Dona Lucilia, with her characteristic gentleness and grace, nourished a solid devotion to the Catholic faith in the soul of her son. Plinio would later say of her, quote, She was dignity without wealth, sweetness without cowardice, intransigence without rigidity, and nobility without arrogance, unquote. From a young age, Plinio exhibited a keen interest in the religious, political, and social issues of his time. He was also attracted to the lofty and beautiful aspects of life handed down by tradition and culture, which he later called, quote, the sense of the marvelous, or beauty, unquote. Later in life, he was to understand that the contemplation of beauty is one of the ways that leads the soul to God. In 1919, after childhood spent under the solicitous care of his mother, Plinio was enrolled in the Jesuit Academy of St. Louis in Sao Paulo. At school, Plinio felt the shock of an atmosphere vastly different from the one in which he had been reared. Most of the students were already caught up in the post-World War I Hollywood mentality that was rapidly transforming society. 
This mentality spelled progress, modernity, self-reliance, contempt for traditional values and culture, a mania for noise and speed, egalitarianism, and sensuality. Confronted with the contrast between his classmates' way of life and the chaste, traditional atmosphere of his home, Plinio could have capitulated to the pressure and gone along with the winds of change. However, thanks to his strong religious convictions and courage, the young boy charted a different course. Incredibly intelligent and mature for his age, Plinio was already a deep thinker and perceived how this quote-unquote cultural revolution was deeply opposed to the spirit and values of Catholicism and Christian civilization. He thus resolved at a young age to reject this new culture and dedicate his life instead to the defense of the values he held so dear. As Plinio grew in age and maturity, so did his desire to fight for the church. But he wondered, what could a single man do? Were there others who thought like him? In 1926, following family tradition, Plinio enrolled in the famed law school of the University of Sao Paulo. There, he continued to cultivate his philosophical and spiritual outlook and to search for like-minded Catholics. Just when it seemed they would never come, they came in an unexpected way and in unexpected numbers. As he was riding the streetcar one September day in 1928, Plinio saw a banner announcing an upcoming Catholic Youth Congress. He was immediately intrigued by the message and signed up to attend. When he appeared the next day, he could not believe his eyes and ears. There was a sea of enthusiastic young men, full of joy and zeal for the faith. He learned that they were members of the Marian Sodalities, one of the many Catholic lay movements just starting to expand in Brazil. This Marian movement encompassed tens of thousands of men from all classes and all corners of the country. They had an extraordinary dynamism, encouraging legions of youth to develop an interior life and an apostolic spirit. Plinio knew he had finally found what he was looking for. As the Marian sodalities grew into a national force, Plinio's gifts and talents quickly manifested themselves, and he became one of the foremost leaders of the movement. In 1929, with the help of a few fellow Sotalists, Plinio expanded the apostolate to his law school, founding Catholic University Action. With time, Catholic University Action grew in numbers and quickly spread to several other universities in Sao Paulo. Meanwhile, a crisis struck Brazil. A liberal, communist-backed revolution overthrew President Washington Luis and established a dictatorship under Getrulio Vargas. Two years later, the state of Sao Paulo rebelled in an attempt to restore the old government. The movement failed, but Vargas was forced to call a constitutional assembly to draft a new constitution for the nation. Plinio understood the importance of the moment and conceived the idea of using the power of the Catholic movement to influence politicians. Thus, the Catholic Electoral League was created. To the great surprise of many, including Plinio himself, he was nominated and elected as the Catholic representative of Sao Paulo with twice as many votes as the next successful candidate. At just 24 years of age, 
This made Plinio the youngest congressman in Brazil's history. As Brazil watched, Plinio went to battle with his colleagues of the Catholic League. Their mission was to campaign in the convention for the new constitution to recognize a list of Catholic demands. They were 1. The new constitution to be implemented in God's name. 2. The indissolubility of marriage. 3. Religious education in public schools and official religious assistance to the armed forces. 4. The right to vote for men and women religious. 5. The civil recognition of religious marriage. 6. The recognition of Sunday rest. 7. The right of priests to fulfill the required military service as chaplains to the armed forces. Many wondered how a young, inexperienced lawyer fresh out of school would fare against seasoned politicians, many of them thoroughly secularist. However, after tirelessly campaigning and arguing for their goals, the Catholic bloc succeeded in getting all their demands incorporated into the new Constitution of 1934. It was a roaring victory for Catholicism. After finishing his congressional term, Plinio decided to devote himself to university teaching. He was appointed as Professor of History of Contemporary Civilization at the University of Sao Paulo Law School, from which he had graduated just a few years before. A short while later, he started teaching modern and contemporary history at the colleges of Sede Sapiente and St. Benedict, which would later merge into the Pontifical Catholic University of Sao Paulo. Plinio was also appointed editor-in-chief of the small Catholic newspaper O Legionario, a publication of the Marian Sodality of St. Cecilia Church. Assembling in the basement of the church rectory, Plinio and his editorial staff prayed before a small statue of Mary, help of Christians, begging her to bless their endeavors before plunging into the work of Catholic journalism. Between 1930 and 1940, O Legionario went from a monthly four-page parish paper to a weekly publication and eventually the most widely read and influential Catholic paper in Brazil. The key to O Legionario's success was that it wasn't just a pious weekly. It was a combative and hard-hitting journal dealing with spiritual themes, lives of the saints, church history, Catholic sociology, and national and international events. Not content with giving his readers only positive stories and meditations, Plinio used the paper's influence to counteract the machinations of the church's enemies and other dangerous ideological currents. For example, Oligenario reported on the anti-Catholic persecution in Mexico, 1926-1929, which gave rise to the heroic Cristero movement. The paper also fought relentlessly against Nazism and fascism and played a vital role in defeating their influence in Brazil and South America. In 20 years, Oligenario published no less than 2,509 articles against Nazism and fascism, 447 written by Plinio himself. Looking beyond the upheaval of World War II, Plinio's uncanny foresight also saw the looming threat of Islam in the not-so-distant future and warned of it as well. Quote, The Muslim danger is immense, he wrote in 1943, and the next year, quote, 
the Muslim problem will constitute one of the gravest religious questions of our days after the war, unquote. And again, later that year, quote, the Muslim world possesses indispensable natural resources to subdue Europe. It will have at hand the necessary means to upset or paralyze at any moment the whole flow of the European economy, unquote. Plinio grew increasingly concerned over the infiltration of modernist ideas and tendencies in the ranks of the clergy and Catholic lay movements. To warn the faithful against these trends, in 1943 he published his first book, In Defense of Catholic Action, with a foreword by the papal nuncio to Brazil. In it, Monsignor Giovanni B. Montini, the substitute for general affairs of Pius XII and later Pope Paul VI, wrote, quote, His Holiness is very pleased with you for having explained and defended Catholic action with penetration and clarity. The August Pontiff hopes with all his heart that this work of yours results in rich and mature fruits, and that from it you may harvest neither small nor few consolations. And as a pledge that it be so, he grants you the apostolic blessing. Unquote. Linio's book earned him the admiration of fervent Catholics and the fury of the progressives, who made him the target of a vicious slander campaign. His bold stance eventually cost him his position as president of Catholic Action and director of Oligionario. Unable to sustain the violence of the storm, many of his friends went their own way until Plinio was left with only eight faithful companions. In a short time, he went from acclaimed Catholic leader to one of the most controversial figures in Brazil. Little did the progressivists realize that they were creating conditions for the founding of a new movement. With his few remaining disciples gathered around him, Plinio launched a new monthly magazine, Catolissimo, in 1951. Uniting their efforts, the members of Catolissimo launched a vigorous expansion of their paper, visiting friends and organizing talks around the country and abroad. It was not long before Plinio had quite a following. His new apostolate was attracting large numbers of conservative Catholic men who were interested in the ideals of the quote-unquote Catalismo group. Friends and collaborators were gradually established in other cities and countries. All of these groups felt such a kinship that they knew that theirs was a family of souls in Christ. Feeling the need to give this group a legal status, in 1960, Plinio founded the Brazilian Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP. Though grounded in the divine magisterium of the Church and drawing their inspiration from her teachings, the TFPs were established as quote-unquote lay apostolates in direct response to Plinio's call to fight for the interests of the Church and Christian civilization. In conceiving the TFP, Plinio desired a group reminiscent of the Catholic chivalry of old, with the same principles of selfless dedication to the defense of God's rights, only adapted to modern-day needs. With these principles in mind, Plinio designed a golden rampant lion with a red cross on its breast as the symbol of his new organization. Plinio also designed a red sash or cape to be worn across the chest, which projected these same principles to the public. 
During a campaign, the capes also had the effect of dotting the streets with red. In 1959, Professor Plinio put into words all that he had been given to see and understand about the great crisis engulfing the West. Joining his wide knowledge of history to his profound Catholicity, he wrote Revolution and Counter-Revolution, his magnum opus, and the bedside book of every member of the TFP. First published in Catholicismo, and then printed in book form, Revolution and Counter-Revolution is an in-depth analysis of the crisis of the Western world, demonstrating the link between the advent of humanism, the Protestant revolt, the French Revolution, the Communist Revolution of 1917, the sexual revolution of the 60s, to the present day. According to Plinio, these events are but stages of a single process which for five centuries has gradually undermined the beneficial influence of the Holy Catholic Church. He named this sinister process the Revolution, with a capital R. This process is sensual in that it promotes a revolt against morality, and egalitarian because it incites a revolt against all authority. Quote, the revolution was born from an explosion of disorderly passions that is leading to the total destruction of temporal society, the complete subversion of the moral order, and the denial of God. Unquote. The book not only alerts people to a global peril, but also points to the answer by laying out the goals and methods of the quote-unquote counter-revolution a noble crusade to reject the spirit and doctrines of the revolution and to restore the Christian spiritual and temporal orders to their full splendor. Revolution and Counter-Revolution has gone through numerous printings in many languages and has received praise by writers, historians, and ecclesiastics. The renowned Dominican canonist, Father Anastasio Gutierrez, for example, wrote, quote, Revolution and Counter-Revolution is a masterful work whose teaching should be disseminated far and wide. In sum, I would dare to affirm that this is a prophetic work in the most elevated sense of the word. It should be taught in the Church's centers of higher education. I conclude, stating that the spirit with which this work is written greatly impresses me. It is a profoundly Christian spirit one with a passionate love for the Church. This book is an authentic product of Christian wisdom. It is moving to find in a layman such a sincere devotion to the Mother of Jesus and ours. Unquote. With the founding of the TFP, Plinio was once again prepared to take the fight to the Church's enemies. With the rise of progressivism, communism, and moral corruption throughout the world, the TFP faced battles on many fronts. Together they fought socialist confiscatory land reform, an issue that would resurface time and time again. They also battled divorce, which threatened to destroy the integrity of the family, and abortion, its grim companion. They continued to speak for the oft-forgotten victims of communism, denounced the infiltration of Marxism and progressivism in the church, which was unfortunately widespread in Brazil, giving rise to the heresy of liberation theology. Spreading the message of Our Lady of Fatima was also a cornerstone of TFP's action. 
Not surprisingly, the leftists were unhappy with the work of Plinio and his group and tried to destroy their reputation through vicious media uproars. Plinio calmly refuted their accusations one by one. Lacking arguments, the media resorted to shunning him completely, hoping to neutralize his influence by keeping his work in the dark. But Plinio was not a man to be contained. To break the quote-unquote siege of silence, Plinio invented great publicity campaigns in which young men of the TFP took to the streets with megaphones, banners, slogans, and music to attract the public on hot-button issues. Plinio also conceived the idea of quote-unquote caravans, groups of TFP volunteers who took to the road in vans to bring informative literature, rosaries, and devotionals to the people in street campaigns throughout the country. The caravans also visited poor neighborhoods to distribute supplies and comfort the sick and dying in hospitals. These methods proved to be effective in educating and bringing the message directly to the man in the street. TFP soon became a household name in Brazil and beyond. The written word was another of Plinio's methods for fighting against the enemies of the church. Over the course of his life, he wrote 16 books and over 2,500 in-depth articles and essays on a wide range of topics. Many of these articles appeared in Catalissimo and Brazil's largest newspaper, the Folha de São Paulo. In time, TFPs would be established in 25 countries on five continents, giving the movement a global platform on which to act. In 1981, newly elected socialist president François Mitterrand launched, quote-unquote, self-managing socialism in France. Mitterrand intended for this new form of socialism to have a, quote-unquote, human face and to use the prestige and influence of his country to spread it around the world. Plinio discovered this new leftist scheme and exposed its fallacy in a six-page manifesto titled What Does Self-Managing Socialism Mean for Communism? A Barrier or a Bridgehead? The full essay was published in the most important magazines and newspapers in 26 countries, while a one-page summary form was published in a further 52 countries. In all, 33 million copies were distributed throughout the world. The reaction worldwide was overwhelming. Self-managing socialism took a crippling blow as Mitterrand's program flopped in France. On March 11, 1990, the tiny Baltic country of Lithuania declared its independence from the Soviet Union. In retaliation, the supposedly good-natured Soviet president, Mikhail Gorbachev, imposed an economic embargo and sent in troops and tanks, forcing the Lithuanian government to sue for peace with Moscow. While most leaders in the West did nothing, on May 31, 1990, Plinio launched an international campaign collecting signatures in support of Lithuanian independence. After 130 days, 5,218,520 signatures were collected in 26 countries. The fact was registered in the 1993 edition of the Guinness Book of Records as the largest petition drive in history. More importantly, 
Thanks to the petition and mounting international pressure, the Soviet Union capitulated and recognized Lithuania's sovereignty. Totally dedicated to the cause, Plinio worked tirelessly, seeing to the most pressing needs of the TFP. Usually, he gave 10 weekly meetings to TFP members and held daily work sessions with TFP departments or, quote-unquote, study commissions. It was common for his workday to last until 3 o'clock in the morning. Over the course of 35 years, Plinio gave thousands of informative meetings covering a diverse range of topics from history, spiritual themes, lives of the saints, metaphysics, philosophy, the arts, and culture. A particular highlight was the weekly Saturday meeting, which kept up both national and international news from a Catholic counter-revolutionary viewpoint. Despite his advancing age, Plinio still delivered his talks with an amazingly youthful voice. His ironclad logic, crystalline clarity, and beauty of expression continually inspired all who listened to him. Though all of the TFP achievements due to the incentive of Plinio are too numerous to list here, it was not action that most characterized his life. Before all else, he was a man of faith. Not a common faith, but a profound, reverent, enthusiastic faith in the one true God and His Church. His deep love for Holy Mother Church shines in this meditation on the way of the cross. Quote, in her institutions, in her doctrine, in her laws, in her unity, in her universality, in her unsurpassable Catholicity, the Church is a true mirror in which our divine Savior is reflected. And we, all of us, have the grace of belonging to the Church, of being living stones of the Church. How we ought to give thanks for this favor! Let us not forget, however, that noblesse oblige. Belonging to the church is a very great and very demanding thing. We must think as the church thinks, have the mind of the church, proceed as the church wishes in all the circumstances of our lives. This supposes a real Catholic sense, an authentic and complete purity of customs, and a profound and sincere piety. In other words, it supposes the sacrifice of an entire lifetime. And what is the reward? Christianus alter Christus. I will be in an eminent way a reproduction of Christ himself. The likeness of Christ, vivid and sacred, will be imprinted on my soul. Unquote. Devotion to Our Lady was one of the main pillars of Plinio's spirituality. His conduct, writing, and speech reflected the intimate union that a Catholic should have with the Mother of God. Tireless in his efforts to promote devotion to Our Lady, he never lost an opportunity to tell TFP members requesting counsel to, quote, have more devotion to Our Lady, unquote. At a young age, Plinio consecrated himself as a slave to Our Lady according to the method of St. Louis de Montfort and recommended that all TFP members and supporters do the same. He prayed the rosary every day, saying once that, quote, To hold a rosary in your hand is like holding a corner of Our Lady's mantle, 
unquote. His daily pious practices included the Angelus, the Litany of Loretto, and the Little Office of the Blessed Virgin, and visits to churches. His Eucharistic piety was no less ardent. From the time he was young, he was a daily communicant and encouraged others to do the same. Although civic associations, the TFPs are analogous in several respects to religious orders. Consequently, the relationship between Plinio and his followers was like that between the founder of a religious institution and his disciples. His unshakable faith and intense piety sustained all TFP members. Not a few of them owe him their perseverance in the faith. Many others who lost their way, like modern-day prodigal sons, owe him for their return to the one true faith. He was a spiritual father to every TFP member. Thousands of people sought his advice by letters, phone calls, and personal visits. Plinio made himself available to all, many times receiving visitors until late in the day. Never did he neglect an opportunity to offer a word of counsel or encouragement or to perform an act of kindness. Plinio Correa de Oliveira often affirmed that, quote, the Holy Catholic Church is the light of my life, unquote. He was deeply distressed by the crisis that has afflicted the mystical spouse of Christ. The Church's sad situation, which aggravates the already acute problems of society, seemed insurmountable without the aid of heaven. To him, the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, promised by Our Lady of Fatima, required souls who would offer to take on heroic sufferings, according to the 2,000-year custom of the Church. In 1975, Professor Plinio explicitly offered himself as a victim soul for this intention. The next day, he suffered a devastating car accident that confined him to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He bore this suffering without complaint and continued to give himself to all who needed him. In August 1995, as he put the finishing touches on a TFP statement, Plinio lost consciousness. He was rushed to the hospital where tests revealed that he had advanced liver cancer. Medicine could do nothing. The only thing left was to place himself in the hands of divine providence. A little more than a month later, on October 3, 1995, the feast of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, Plinio gave up his soul to God. Despite the radical changes in his 86 years of life, Plinio Correa de Oliveira remained faithful to his early ideals. His consistency merited him respect even from his enemies. In success and in defeat, in advance and retreat, he was faithful to his calling to the end. Currently, there are 25 TFPs and like-minded organizations around the world, numbering hundreds of full-time members and hundreds of thousands of supporters, friends, and benefactors, all dedicated to fighting for the restoration of Holy Mother Church and Christian civilization. All these peoples and activities are his legacy. Full of gratitude for his lifelong example, 
the American TFP proudly carries on this legacy of loyalty to Our Lady and holds the same profound desire to establish Mary as the Queen of all hearts. This concludes the visionary of the counter-revolution, Plinio Correa de Oliveira. Thank you so much for listening. To read these or find related articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. T.F.P.